So if you have your Bibles this morning, we are in uh, Philippians. Back in the book of Philippians. In the past uh, month or so, I've been able to teach twice on this book. We looked at um, Philippians 1 through 11 uh, about a month ago, and then we looked at uh, verses 12 through 21 for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And we kind of ended there, and I had mentioned that there is so much to even uh, think about uh, on those uh, few words. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I had mentioned putting uh, yourselves in that situation and, and filling in, in the blank. For me to live is blank and to die is blank. And what would those words be? Um, so if you spent some, some time on, on that and thinking about those things, Anybody want to share? I had mentioned that uh, that's not normal. Obviously, it's not our first human response to, to be just like Paul was to say, for me to, to live as Christ and to die as gain. And even thinking on that and, and with the, the weather this morning, um, I was talking with uh, my mom. Um, we were upstairs at the kitchen table having breakfast, and she will not drive in inclement weather whatsoever. It doesn't matter. She, wasn't, she won't even drive um, the highway. She refuses to drive 81. Whenever she's got to come down in the city for mountaintop, she takes 309, which you don't want to drive that in inclement weather anyways. But um, So they were, they were staying home from, from church this morning, but I was thinking – just a little bit about even this morning, how the weather would affect us. How would it keep some people away? And and it will, and that's not an issue. Um, but for, for some people who would say, for me to live is Christ, coming and gathering and worshiping together is a very integral part of their lives, and it's something that they, they need to do, and so they'll try their very best to get out but and, and not let the fear, because normally that's... If you don't want to drive an inclement weather, what's the fear? Fear of getting in an accident, right? Nobody wants to deal with that. Or, you know, you can die in an accident. So there's 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 fear there. But even thinking about missions and the different things going on, we have brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you take that fear sometimes of what might happen and, and raise it up a little bit more, we have brothers and sisters in Christ who every day are living like with, with those emotions within them, not knowing. But if they have the attitude of Paul, that Paul has here, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. It, it's not so much what can they do to me, what can the government do to me, what can uh, people that I was close with do to me for those that have um, might have come from an Islam, from a Muslim background, and then went to a Christian being saved by Christ, for them, their lives are in danger even from their own family for, for making that change. Um, 
So compound that feeling that you might have even about leaving this morning. And that's how some of our brothers and sisters in Christ feel every day, not knowing. But for, for many of them, they understand this concept. For me, to, to live is Christ. And so everything, it doesn't matter um, what is going on in their lives. For Paul here, it doesn't matter what is going on in his life. He recognizes that everything that he has been struggling with, everything that has come against him, every circumstance that he has absolutely no control over, his false imprisonment, um, being taken captive, um, all the things that he endured in all the cities that he preached at, whether it was being kicked out or thrown in jail or beaten or flogged. Um, read about that in Acts 27, all of the things that he has gone through, whether it's being shipwrecked on the island of Malta, um, throughout his entire experience and finally coming to Rome and finally being um, safe in terms of you know not not traveling anymore, but being in Rome, he's going to be going before Caesar. He's going to be able to speak, and he's speaking on behalf of Christ because he's in prison because of what he believes. And so writing to the, the Philippian church, giving them, um, hopefully, um, encouragement to know that his work is still going on, as we've said in, in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, this has happened to me. What has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He recognized that everything was a God-given opportunity for him to proclaim Christ to everybody in all situations and all circumstances. And so that's why he has this one mindset, was that for me to live is Christ. If I'm going to be here, I'm going to live my life for Christ. But if I die, it's game, because then I get to go and be with Christ. I get to be among him, with him, fellowship with him. And so he says, uh, following in verses 22, uh, this is uh, more of a, like an internal conflict that's raging within him. He says, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Because his, his life is in danger. And that's why he's saying that. To live is Christ, to die is gain. He doesn't know what's going to happen when he comes before Caesar. He can be found guilty and he could be executed. Very possible reality for him. Um, and so as he's, he's writing this letter, he says, you know, I, I don't know what, which it is really going to be. Not that he is the one that is going to be choosing it. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor to me, yet which I sh shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed, verse 23, between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you. So he wants he the, the internal conflict. He 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 says to die is gain. He knows die is gain. To be with Christ is far more better, as he uses that that language to to be with Christ. But 
I also know the benefit of me obviously not going yet. As he has been integral uh, in this church and so many other churches and so many other people's lives, he has seen fruitful ministry. And he, he would rightly say not because of anything he has done, but everything because of everything that Christ has done for him. And that's why he's saying, for me to live is Christ. Paul's passion is in service to God. And in that service, he recognizes that his service is towards the people of God, towards those who, who do not yet know who he is, and, and to encourage those um, whom have accepted Christ, who have followed in the way, and gone after him. But as you read in a lot of his other writings, whether it's Corinthians or Colossians, um, not so much in Philippians, but you see Paul dealing with things within the church that may not be right. So we even uh, read about that this morning for Liberia. One of the things that they have done in the church is to allow... Uh, traditional African tribal beliefs, whether that was charms and spirits and witch doctors and ancestral spirits, all these little things. When you allow those types of things alongside with Christ, it muddies the waters. It's it's not just Christ alone. You're also trusting and believing in these other things to, to help you through it. And that's not what Scripture teaches us. And so Paul writes uh, to many of these other churches about some of the issues they are experiencing that you shouldn't be allowing in the church as people of, of God. But the Philippian church, um, he hasn't really done that. These are this, Remember, this is the only church that has partnered with him, and so he is, he is being an example to them. And he gets uh, into this portion this morning, uh, which is uh, the, the third part of uh, the message, talking about the faith of the gospel. So in the first part, verses 1 through 11, it was the, the fellowship of the gospel, him having fellowship with, with those, giving God thanks for all that they have done and been a part of coming alongside of him. The second part, uh, verses uh, 12 through 26, dealing with the furtherance of the gospel. This is it going out, being spread. It, the work, the missionary work that Paul is doing has not ceased, but it has gone into places it would not normally be able to go into had he not been in the situation. And so this, this next part, uh, uh, labeled verses uh, 27 through 30, dealing with the faith of the gospel. And uh, Wearsby, which is uh, who I said I had taken those three points, what the fellowship, the furtherance, and the faith of the gospel, um, read a small quote from him. He said, The Christian life is not a playground. It is a battleground. We are sons in the family, enjoying the fellowship of the gospel, we are servants sharing in the furtherance of the gospel, but we are also soldiers defending the faith of the gospel. And that's that third part. We are soldiers in the faith defending the gospel. And so Paul reminds the Philippian church this. And so follow along with me as I read verses 27 through 30 this morning. It says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear 
of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened by anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. And so Paul here talking about how they should live out their lives, our, our faith being lived out. It's a daily thing. And so Paul reminds them, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And as I mentioned, sometimes there's things that the English language doesn't bring over from the, the Greek language. Um, and so you have sometimes specialized words that Paul is using, especially with the, the Philippian church. This is a Roman colony. They are Roman citizens. And so he uses a word talking about citizenship, which brings to mind for them as Romans all of the rights and privileges. Much like Paul. Paul was a Jew, but he was also a Roman, and which is why when he was uh, taken to prison and falsely imprisoned, he could testify, hey, I am a Roman. I have the right to declare my day in court before the government. And so he was taken to certain people and then they take him somewhere else and then, okay, we're going we're gonna to get you to Caesar. So he uses uh, this word to remind them um, of that. So it brings to, to mind that. Uh, and it's anastrepho, talking about one's manner of life. But he's using it not to bring to mind that they're Roman citizens, but to bring into mind that we they are citizens, we are citizens of where? Louder. Yes, we are, we are citizens of heaven. And as citizens of heaven, much like as you're citizens of Rome, you're expected to act a certain way, do certain things for the thing, same, same kind of thing. As a citizen of heaven... You're not supposed to be like the world. You're supposed to be different. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the Holy Spirit living within you. And so he's reminding them of that when he says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Remember that you are God's. You are God's child. And as God's child, you should be living your life as that, not falling back into old ways and old sins and different things. Not that we don't struggle, but not to be living a consistent life that doesn't give any evidence of a transformed life. He's asking them, take a look at your own faith. And he says, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I want to hear of all that God is doing in and among you, of how you guys are being generous to others and, and almost encouraging them as they have been. They were a church that though they were struggling, the, uh, I forget where we read it last time we were in it, but one of the other churches, I think it might have been the Corinthian church, was struggling and needed help. And so the Philippian church was sending their gifts along. Uh, 
Um, also taking back to Jerusalem, they were sending gifts back with Paul to Jerusalem before he was arrested so that they could be an encouragement to other believers in Christ. They weren't holding things uh, just to themselves. They were sharing. They were having that one mind, one spirit. And so he reminds them that I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, not with the, the conflicts or struggles uh, bet between differing factions. And we see a lot of that uh, today um, among various churches and among pastors competing for various uh, positions of power. Even Paul before um, the, the Romans here, as he's writing to the Philippians <clears throat> earlier in, in, the, in the previous section, said some do indeed preach Christ out of rivalry, out of vain uh, pursuit, out of envy. And we have that same thing happening today, but he says, I, I don't want that to be among you. I want to hear that you guys are standing firm in one spirit, not our own, but that of Christ, that of God's, the Holy Spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So he's talking about, in, in the beginning part, the, the consistency of life we need to have in our own. We need to examine our lives. Is there consistently there? When people look at us, can they see that we're living a life for Christ? Or do we look just like everyone else? Are we living our lives in a, man, a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ? And the second thing is talking about cooperation, that you would strive together. We're having one mind, one spirit together working as one. And that's not uh, an easy thing to do um, sometimes because you have all these competing things. But when it talks about cooperation, another one of those words associated with something else for the Greek language. So what it brings to mind here is the first part, manner worthy of life, talking about being a Roman citizen. Remember, you're a citizen of heaven. That's more of a political term. Now he's getting into something that m most people can understand, and that's athletics. All right, um, whether think about whatever sport you want—football, soccer, a team sport. Sorry, let's—I'll specify team sport. But the word that he's getting at is talking about cooperation, striving together as one. Talks about a team working together towards one goal. So if you're a sports team, your goal is to win, right? And you're all striving towards that happening. If you have a kid on your team, all right, and he's not striving to win and he's working against you, is that easy? No, that makes it very difficult, all right? They make movies about that sort of thing where teams have thrown. They, they weren't being a team working together for their one goal, one purpose, being selfish, uh, they were, but he, he talks about us as Christians, speaking to them, the Philippian church, be one striving side by side, like being on a team working towards the goal of advancing the gospel for the faith of the gospel. This is our mission. This is our purpose, just like it was for the Philippian church. It's not something that has changed. It remains constant for us. And so we also need to look at how we can uh, work together towards that goal. 
and it's not always um, easy. Uh, but one of the things we have to always remember is as we're striving together, it's much easier when we all are focused on obviously having that one mind, that one goal. And um, Paul actually elsewhere told believers, Christians, how do, I, how do I live a life, one, worthy of the gospel of Christ in a manner worthy? Um, and two, how do, how do I do it together if we're all going to have one mind? Ephesians 6. Anybody remember what's Ephesians 6? Put on the full armor of God. And so when we look at the armor of God, having fastened uh, the, the belt of truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, um, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, if we're in unison. If we're putting this on daily and going to Christ, it's going to make it much easier when we're all obviously dressed ready for battle, right? As Wearsby said, this is not a playground where we're just moseying on out and doing what we want. And I want to be on the monkey bars. I want to be on the slide. I want to be on the jungle gym. But but we're dressed for, for battle. We're, we're dressed to, to go in fighting side by side along one side one another. Um, for Christ. And as we do that, obviously, uh, it helps in this next part, not frightened in anything by your opponents. Paul could easily say that. Everything that was thrown his way wasn't frightened whatsoever. He remained focused, one mind, one task, furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so... He says this, it's a clear sign to them of their destruction and of your salvation and that from God. People may come at you with all different things, but one, uh, you have that shield of faith up, those flaming darts from, from the devil ain't going to bother you. You easily protect yourself. He uses other people easily. Just push it off. Don't let it get at you and eat at you not letting any root of bitterness, as Hebrews would say, dwell in you or reign in you, uh, giving it an opportunity to grow, but extinguishing those things and moving on. Not being frightened by anything of your opponents, knowing that, um, one, you know what's going to happen in your own life. You also know the opposite of that. For those that remain opposed obviously it's a sign to them of their destruction but it should also cause us sympathy and compassion towards others in prayer that god would move hearts because we can't move hearts but god would move hearts um, so that as they see these things they can have a transformed life as well so he reminds them for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, knowing that faith comes from Christ. It's given to us by God, by his Holy Spirit. He allows us to be a part of his family, but also suffer for his sake. And so he lets them know, look, it's not an easy thing. Look, at you've seen my life. All right. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had. 
Remember, if you were here when I preached the first sermon, gave a little bit of background on the Philippian church. When Paul in, in, in Acts first goes to the Philippian church, he met a few people. Um, Lydia, a seller of purple goods, right? Her and her household were saved. And then she says, hey, come back with me. Spend some time in our household. We'll give you a place to stay as he continues to work. And he's got... Um, other brothers are with him ministering uh, through the gospel of Christ to these people, to the Philippian church. And so he also um, goes out, and as he's traveling, he's talking, he sees this woman, and she's a diviner of spirits, it says. And it made her masters a lot of money. Um, and so he set her free from that spirit. She no longer was a diviner of spirits, and people were unhappy. Um, and he was thrown in jail. So when he was among the Philippian church, he says, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had. You personally were there. You understand what I was going through. I was in jail for the gospel of Christ. And it's the same conflict that I still have that you hear that I am in now, engaged in. But it's all for Christ's sake. It has not changed. It's all because of Christ, for Christ. And it says that... It has been granted. I think that's a key word there. Because this is, think about Paul's mindset. This isn't, he's not complaining about his circumstances. He's not bemoaning the situation that he's been in. He's not, man, i got to be chained to some dude. I have no privacy. He goes wherever I go. He sees whatever I write, whatever I do. Nothing. But he's not, he's... Hey, man, I'm chained to a guy, and I get to talk to him, and I get to witness to him. He gets to see everything that Christ has done in me. As I write these letters to these different churches, as I'm, it's a completely different perspective. And so in our lives, we have the opportunity to look at life from one perspective or from another perspective. Are we going to look at it from a human side perspective and be moaned, whoa, with me? Or are we going to look at it from a, a God perspective and think, how can you... Use this situation in my life to bring you glory, to bring you honor. And so he uses that word, it has been granted to you to believe in Christ, but also suffer. So suffering is something that God allows in our life for specific purposes so that others can see how you handle life and understand that's not normal. That's not the way of the world. That's not how you should feel. That's not the emotion you should experience when something bad happens to you. You shouldn't be looking at this in, uh, what's the song, with rose-colored glasses. Um, you, sh you should be depressed. You should be whatever, fill in the blank, whatever you want to fill in. You should be this way. But Christ gives us a different perspective. In Hebrews uh, 5, Jesus, as our high priest, um, in verses 7 uh, and 8, it says, or verse 8, it says, Although he was a son, talking about Jesus Christ, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And so we too learn obedience. We're not any better than Christ. As, as suffering comes our way, we, we learn obedience. In spite of his difficult circumstances as a prisoner in Rome, Paul is rejoicing. 
The secret of his joy is the single mind. He lives for Christ and the gospel. This is from Wearsby. He says, Christ is named 18 times in Philippians 1, and the gospel is mentioned six times. It says, for to, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But what really is the single mind? It is the attitude that says, it makes no difference what happens to me, just as long as Christ is glorified and the gospel shared with others. Paul rejoiced in spite of his circumstances because his circumstances strengthened the fellowship of the gospel, promoted the furtherance of the gospel, and it guarded the faith of the gospel. So as you um, go home this week, one will pray that everybody makes it home safe and sound, that God would, would cover you. But even take a look at uh, Philippians 2 this week as we talked about uh, the first Sunday of Advent. We're looking at Christ as our hope. Um, Paul, even in that just that first section, um, verses 1 through 11, talking about Christ, all that he has done. He's talking about the one mind, the one spirit. Have this as it was in Christ Jesus. And so... It says, verse 5, uh, 6, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you just as, as Paul is writing to the Philippian church, all that you have done, though... <laughs> Being in the form of God did not count equality with God, something to be grasped, but being you became like us, took on flesh to live in our place, to die in our place, and to rise again, defeating death, defeating the grave, so that it has no claim, defeating sin, it has no claim on our lives for those of us in Christ Jesus. We thank you this morning for that. Father, help us to live lives worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to live in a world that does not honor you, that does not recognize you. Even as we, we go into uh, this Christmas season, as we talk about uh, these next few Sundays, uh, Advent and uh, you bringing us hope, joy, peace, love, those, uh, and so much more. Father, help us to be patient with people. Help us to view our circumstances as God-given opportunities to share your word with others. Help us to be bold in our speech. Help us to strive together as one. Help us to do all that we cannot do ourselves that we would, would fade away and that you would increase. So 
We pray that you would increase our faith uh, in all. Father, we continue to, uh, to pray and ask that you would uh, be with the, the right person that you have for City Light here to be our pastor, as uh, Pastor Davis mentioned uh, last week, as they'll continue on with us uh, into the new year. We thank you for that. But we continue to pray, Father, that you would provide, and you have provided in so many wondrous ways. We now ask that you would be with us uh, as we leave this place, that you would be with all who are traveling through the uh, wintry weather conditions. We pray that you would um, be with Sharon as she will be traveling uh, to us this week as well, uh, that you would give her traveling mercies. Uh, and we pray that we would uh, be able to bless her as she comes and blesses us. And all of this is because of Christ and all that he has done for us. We worship you. We give you thanks. We give you praise. And it's in his name. Amen.